Welcome to Talking Facts, and thank you for tuning in to Cancer Conversations on Talking Facts, a podcast collaboration between the University of Kentucky Markey Cancer Center and the UK College of Agriculture, Food and Environment's Cooperative Extension Service. We will share with you the latest developments in cancer prevention, diagnosis, treatment, and research from the experts at Markey Cancer Center, Kentucky's only National Cancer Institute designated cancer center. Talking Facts is hosted by the UK Family and Consumer Sciences Extension Program. Our educators share research knowledge with individuals, families, and communities to improve quality of life. Hello and welcome to Talking Facts. This is your host, Dr. Jennifer Hunter, Assistant Director for Family Consumer Sciences Extension at the University of Kentucky. Today, I'm pleased to be joined by Raven Darkabinsa, a social worker with the University of Kentucky Marquee Cancer Center. Welcome, Raven. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. So, Raven, you are an oncology social worker with, with Marquis, and today you are going to walk us through a conversation uh, that, that we've titled Taking Care of Business and really kind of focused on advanced directives and how an individual that may be experiencing cancer, things that they would want to acknowledge with, with the advanced directive process. However, I will say that this is probably um, good information for, for folks to know in general, just to learn more and understand more about advanced directives. Yes, I would completely agree with that. Um, definitely important in the context of going through cancer treatment, but I think it's great for anyone um, at all walks of life. So I would agree with that. Well, <laughs> let's start with what exactly, when we start talking about the term advanced directives, um, yeah. what exactly is an advanced directive? And then I think often we hear almost sometimes interchangeably used yes. the term living will. So what exactly yeah. is an advanced directive versus a living will and what does it entail? Yeah, so that's a great question. So in a nutshell, um, an advanced directive or another term written will is um, written instructions for your loved ones or medical team about the type of medical treatment that you would like to receive in the event that you're unable to make medical decisions for yourself. And so it's almost like a component of two things, I would say. In the state of Kentucky, a lot of times there's a combined document. So the directive is the actual medical choices that you want and the reason why they call it a living will is because you do it when you are alive. Right. Um, it's, it's something to complete when you're able to say, these are the things that I want to happen in the event I'm unable to um, make medical decisions for me, or if I'm in a medical compromising situation. Kind of a part of that document as well sometimes is the ability for an individual to designate a healthcare proxy or a healthcare surrogate we often encourage our patients to complete a document that is comprised of both. So the medical directives, but also naming someone to kind of um, carry out those medical directives, if that makes sense. It does. It does. Yeah. So now I'm going to also throw another term out there. Yeah, throw another one at me. <laughs> a durable power of attorney. Now, yeah. as, as we talk about healthcare surrogate or agent, is that the same thing as the durable power of attorney? So it's not the same, but part of a with the durable power of attorney, it's going to often include a healthcare section or healthcare surrogate section. But with the durable power of attorney, you're going to also be talking about financial decision making as well. And so it, it covers more. Now you can have a 
advanced directive or living will, and also a durable power of attorney that includes a healthcare section and designating a decision maker. If you have both, you just want to make sure that in terms of healthcare, what you have in each document, it, it aligns, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Great yeah, and, question. And, and I will say um, for, for our regular listeners that they might know that my background or area especially is, is family finance. So I spend quite a bit of time talking to people about estate planning and durable power of attorney. And this is a question that often comes up about yes. addressing, the, addressing the healthcare component along with along with the financial component. And I also always tell folks, because you know, when we're talking about estate planning, we're we're often talking about, you know, you need to identify someone to be an executor of your estate, or you need to identify someone for guardianship of your children if you have minor children. But that, that if you don't do that, the court will appoint one for you. And when we get to the durable power of attorney, I always say, this is somebody I want to pick. You know, if somebody goes mm-hmm. to court to fight to be the guardian of my babies, they probably really love my babies. But this is one that I really want to pick because this individual, that they, they would have the ability to, to manage your affairs in the way that, that you wish that for your affairs to, to be managed. So I do think it's a really good step that people take to address both the financial side as well as the, the healthcare side. Yes. Can you share with us some situations or scenarios that are the best time to complete an advanced directive and or living will? Yes. And so with me working in oncology, you know, I encourage all my patients, whether they have a prognosis that is favorable or a prognosis that is not so favorable. And that's within oncology. But I also encourage anyone you know, of a healthy age, able to make those decisions themselves right now to complete the document, because you just never know when a situation like this will come up. I think a lot of people think that this is not something that needs to be discussed unless they're met with a situation where it may be end of life or a a terminal illness situation. And that's not necessarily the case. A, A healthcare surrogate advanced directive can be in the context of temporary capacity, incapacity as well. And I think it's just a good idea for everyone to have those conversations and just know that, have an understanding of what they would want in these situations. And so I think it, there's no bad time to do it. There's no bad time. <laughs> I love the idea of encouraging the, the, the conversations. Um, I often tell folks any, with any of the topics that we deal with, with end of life and state planning and that type of thing. Yes. This is really, really the best gift that you can give your family is to give them the peace of mind of knowing what it is that, that you would want. Exactly. Um, and so now the next question I'm going to ask is that it seems as if the idea of completing advanced directives is very intimidating. And I will say mm-hmm. it's kind of funny that you know, often when you go to the doctor and they have you kind of fill out all that paperwork or someone there's asking one of the very last questions on there that you have to check mark is I have an advanced directive or, or living will. And, you know, and, you know, when I check mark that sometimes they'll say they're like, you really have one? Um, because I think so few people, cut, you know, come in, especially those individuals that I don't think I can throw myself in the young category anymore, but that are a little bit younger that have not put that in place. And so that makes me feel like that it is intimidating. So yeah. why do you think that is? You know, I think a lot of people are worried that they have to maybe consult with an attorney to complete the document. I think also it's intimidating because it's often, I feel like, associated with an end of life or talking about something finite, which is not necessarily the case. You can definitely consult with a 
legal expert attorney to complete a um, advanced directive, but there are also a lot of most instances, actually all instances, you don't have to. The state of Kentucky specifically, and I believe a lot of states as well, has a document that's available to the public um, that's relatively easy to complete. And if there's any clarification needed on what some of those scenarios mean, any healthcare team member or social worker would be happy to sit down with anyone and, and share what all those instances mean in terms of different types of life-sustaining treatment and things like that. Um, and so I think that's part of it. I think it's sometimes associated with a, a bad thing and not necessarily an idea of I'm preparing for if something were to happen to me and giving my family an idea of what I would want versus it, it's associated with just death and dying sometimes. Right. I think that's really the heart of it. So it, it's just <laughs> to think about and, and that makes it a little. And that's hard to think about. And especially with our patients, that's a lot, especially with a new diagnosis. Sometimes it's not a conversation anyone's ready to have. And I, and I understand that too, obviously. And so it's just hard in general. Yeah. Mentioned a little bit about how how you can complete it, but let, let's talk about that in a little bit more detail. How would yeah. an individual, let's say we've motivated someone today to go out okay. and do, how would an individual go about completing an advanced directive and who would they need to include in that conversation? There, there's a couple avenues you could go about it. I always say if, if you're uncertain or unsure about it, definitely approach a member of your medical team, specifically a social worker, because a lot of us, not even just in oncology, are very well versed on how to procure the document and how to help and assist filling it out. If you have internet access, you can simply Google Kentucky Living Will and it will pop up the a document that is already set up and has the healthcare surrogate and all the different scenarios where you would want to define what you would want to happen to you. And so I, I would definitely start there. And you, but like I also said earlier, you could consult with an attorney as well, but it's not something you have to do. So really just approaching any member of the medical team, or you know, you could go online and get it yourself. But if you needed help with that, any member on the medical team could assist, definitely. And in terms of who would need to be involved, it's not required for you to determine a healthcare agent or a healthcare surrogate. But I always recommend that if there's someone that you know that you would want to make those decisions for you, if you want to do the document yourself and then tell them about it, that's okay. Or they can sit down and do it with you. I think either or is fine. And so I think what's important is once you've decided what your wishes are to let the people that would be involved in that conversation know what they are and maybe even have copies of that document. Yeah. And I would also like to share for our listeners that you have provided a, a few links, including yes. the Kentucky Living Will document. Yes. So we'll be certain to put those in the show notes if anyone yes. wants to go back and reference those. those yes. Links. Yeah. Raven, I appreciate you so much with you um, being with us today. And I, I will share just a, a really quick story that I walked with a friend who was um, caring caring for someone at an end of life. And mm-hmm. um, that individual had done a wonderful job of putting together all the pieces that needed to be put together to give her the, the peace of mind of, of what her wishes are. But as I was watching her go through that process, it made me realize I need to call my parents and have this conversation with them 
Because yeah. what, what I saw is that even though she knew they had had these conversations, she had all the paperwork, there was still some doubt that, that mm-hmm. came in, you know, because maybe the conversations weren't recent or, you know, it had been a little while or maybe this was a little different, you know, just, just a few things. I literally left the hospital and called my parents and said, this is what I think. Is this really the case? Just to give me the peace of mind in case, and hopefully we do not, but that we ever in a scenario of when we might need to act upon some of these documents that we truly had that conversation and I truly understood what mm-hmm. the words what the words meant. And I will say this too, that everybody's is different, right? So my mom's is different than my dad's. And, and that's okay because it's what they would each want. And my brother and I understand those wishes. Yeah. Said that perfectly. <laughs> yeah. So, um, well, I, and I, again, I think once you watch it, and I'm sure you know you watch it every day for for kind of the, the common person that that once you watch it, you you really see how meaningful the words are that that you share with us today. So, thank you so much for joining yeah. us. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. <laughs> thank you for listening to Cancer Conversations on Talking Facts. Our goal is to connect you with the latest advances in cancer research in the Commonwealth. If you enjoyed today's podcast and have a suggestion for a future show topic, please message us on the UK Markey Cancer Center Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash UK Markey or visit our website at markey.uky.edu for more information. You can find University of Kentucky Family and Consumer Sciences Extension programs at your local Extension office or online at fcs.uky.edu. Building strong families, building Kentucky. It starts with us.